last week we were introduced to a young teenage girl about 13 years old by the name of Mary. She had an encounter with an angel by the name of Gabriel. And Gabriel greeted her as highly favored, greetings from God. And she wondered, why me? Why, why am I so special? Who am I? And he told her, you're going to be with child and give birth to a son. His name is going to be Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And she couldn't imagine why her, why you picked me. And, but she said, nevertheless, may it be as God has said. And so when it comes down to it with you and I, when God begins to come into our life and say, here's something I want you to do. Here's something I'm calling you to do. Here's something I'm leading you to do. Here's something I'm asking you to do. Do we finally come to that conclusion? Nevertheless, may it be as you say. Or do we begin to argue with God and say, Lord, I, I'm not sure about this now. You know, you're calling me to step out on faith, do something I've never done, go somewhere I've never been, uh, be somebody I've never been, and, and you want me to do this? I'm not sure I'm ready. I'm not sure I want to. I'm not sure I'm up to it. Why don't you get somebody else? Do we ever do that with God? You know, just kind of bargain with Him, argue with Him. Maybe not argue because you ever argued with God like I have, you always know that He wins. But uh, nevertheless, for that time period, sometimes we do that. Mary didn't do that. Mary said, nevertheless, might be as you said. And so now we focus this week on Joseph and, Joseph and how he took Mary home to be his wife. But Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, we were in Luke with Mary last week, but Matthew tells about Joseph this week. And so Matthew 1, 18, the Bible says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with a child through the Holy Spirit. As I talked about just a moment ago, as we looked at last week in Luke, that's the brief of the story that Luke, uh, Matthew gave that Luke had brought out very clearly last week. But it says in, in particular there that she was pledged to be married. That is, that one-year waiting period for, from the legal contract, the negotiations that are set up before the actual ceremony of a couple getting married. And so I want to look at that and try to explain this as clearly as I can because it's very important for this story of Mary and Joseph, but as well as for our story also. And so what I want to do is to show you that what I'm talking about and, and make, help you understand better. Here they were in a one-year engagement period or a betrothed period. Uh, this version says uh, pledged period there in Matthew chapter 1. But what was that all about? It's kind of like this. On a certain day, the father of Mary and the father of Joseph would get together. And so we've decided that these two children of ours, Joseph and Mary, uh, need to get married, want to get married, and we need to work out a deal here. And so the two fathers would meet, Mary's uh, father and Joseph's father, they would meet together and say, okay, what are we going to get out of this? Well, see, the bride's father, Mary's father, would say, I'm losing a daughter. She's now going to be your daughter-in-law. She's going to go live with Joseph, and I'm losing a daughter. Somebody who could milk the cow and tend to the sheep and sweep and cook and clean and, and do all these kind of things. I'm losing that girl. So what are you going to give me, father of Joseph? And so he had to work out a deal. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a cow and a donkey and six sheep. How about that, father of Mary? And he says, no, that's not enough. How about a cow, a donkey? Six sheep and $100. Uh, I don't know if I can do that. How about a cow, two donkeys, and eight sheep and $50? Well, 
Well, and so they go back and forth. They finally negotiate. They finally come up with a deal, and we work it out. We got it. Now they got to call everybody together, uh, get the church involved and, and the legal people involved, and uh, mom and dad and Joseph and Mary all involved, and they have a signing of the whole contract, the negotiation. So let's just do it this way. Let's say that on January 1st of 20, well, it would have been about 04 at that time. And that won't write, so we'll get another one. <clears throat> All right, so about January 1st of 4 BC, uh, they got together and said, we're going to sign the contract. So now they've entered into the betrothed period, the pledged period, as the Bible says there. And for one year, for one year, they're in that time period. So therefore, 1231-04 is the waiting date. But during that one-year period, what they're doing is still living at mom and dad's home. Joseph's still at his house. She's still at her house. But during that pledge period, they're legally married by the law, but they haven't had the ceremony yet. They haven't, legal, they haven't gotten married. They haven't had the wedding. And so during that one-year period, during that troth period, pledge period, waiting for the wedding date, which comes one year later. And so during that one-year period, they're getting the house ready. He's building a house. She's getting things inside it ready. And just preparing all the things they need to do for the wedding. Well, one of the things about this one-year period is it would prove their faithfulness to purity in the couple of their marriage pledge. Because during that one-year period, yes, they're legally married, but they're staying in their own homes. But see, they're, they're being tested. It's a testing time to see if they're going to be faithful and pure in their relationship to each other and to the Lord. And so that was very important because what happens here, we're going to read in just a moment, uh, as Mary comes to Joseph and says, you know, here's what the deal is. We have to assume that this whole, that Gabriel came to meet with Mary pretty early in the relationship because if you read later on when they're traveling to Bethlehem, Matthew says in Beth, uh, as they're traveling to Bethlehem to have Jesus, says that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. So they're still within that one-year period when Jesus is born. Therefore, the problem was, during this one-year time period, here comes Mary, uh, again, probably early on, because Jesus is born within the year's time, that she's announcing to Joseph, Hey, Joseph, by the way, I need to tell you something. I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. Now, as we're looking at emotions and feelings and decision-making and all those kind of things we've been talking about for the last six months, let's bring this into Mary and Joseph. Mary's already had to deal with that when she was confronted with Gabriel. You know, you want me to have a baby? I'm only pledged to be married. I'm not married yet. I'm not, I've not had the wedding yet. We're in this betrothed period, pledge period. Uh, you know, this... What are my friends going to say? What are my parents going to say? What is Joseph going to say? What's his parents going to say? You know, how are we going to deal with all this? That's why she had to finally come to that conclusion. Nevertheless, may it be as you say. She was willing to be obedient to God, period. No matter what other people said, no matter what other people did, she said, I've got to be obedient to God, period. And now I've got to go tell Joseph about this whole story. So... Joseph, because was her husband, legally speaking, the husband, was a righteous man, did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. So she comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, here's the deal. I'm going to have a baby. Here's my story. Angel Gabriel came. 
you know, Holy Spirit, and all, the whole story just like we talked about last week. And Joseph had to be sitting there, standing there. I'm not sure what you, I'm sure he hope, hopefully he sat down before she told him. He had to be sitting there thinking, yeah, right, Mary. Sure. This angel Gabriel, Gabriel, is that that guy that lives across the tracks down there? <laughs> and she said, no, it's not because we don't have tracks. They haven't been invented yet. And so he's trying to reason this thing out in his mind. And so you can imagine the emotions and the feelings that you're going to go through. First of all, there's going to be anger involved. You're pregnant. I'm not the father. Something's going on here. You're lying to me. You're, and so he's, the more he thinks about it, the more he's going to get upset, the more he's going to get distraught and disturbed. And legally speaking, because they're legally married, here's the first choice he had. Take her kicking and screaming to the judge and say, Judge, she has committed adultery. I want a divorce from her, and I want the law to be carried out, which the law would have said, stone her to death. He had that option as her husband. That was his first option, and I'm sure that crossed his mind very quickly uh, from the story that he's sharing with her, him to just take her down to the judge, tell her she's committed adultery, have her stoned to death, and he could have watched it happen. But something within his heart said, you know, <laughs> I love the girl. These are two teenagers. They're in love. They're going to get married. And she comes to him with a story about Gabriel, the angel, and the Holy Spirit, and all this, and she's pregnant. And so option one... He had that option. But if he dealt with his emotions, dealt with his feelings, dealt with his decision-making process under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he reconsidered that. So his next option would have been this, because he was a righteous man. He wanted to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing by myself and by Mary, so what am I going to do? Didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. Didn't want to just make this big announcement, hey, y'all know what Mary did, and you know adultery, and he didn't want to have her stoned to death. So he had this in mind. I'll just divorce her quietly. I'll go to my dad. I'll go to her dad. We'll sign the papers. We'll let her go. Whoever she, whoever Gabriel is, I don't know this guy, but she must. And so I'll just let her go. We'll just do this thing quietly because I love her. I'm not going to put up with this. I'm not going to tolerate this. I'm not going to go by this story she's telling me, but I'll just divorce her quietly because I love her. You see how emotions and feelings get in stuff like this? Even when we're trying to decide... What God wants me to do, we can get let our emotions and feelings get in our decision-making process, and we can make the wrong decision very quickly and easily, can't we? Because we're not here from God. God, what, what are you saying in your Scripture about this, this whatever I'm trying to decide on? Well, I hadn't looked yet. <laughs> I just know what I feel. I just know what I've decided. I, I just know how, what my emotions are saying. I didn't look at what God said. Well, God, what about preaching and teaching of your word? And, and as I hear preaching and teaching of your word, well, I hadn't listened to that. I hadn't considered that. I know what's being said, what's being taught, what's being preached, but I'm not listening to that. I just know what I feel, what I want, what I've decided, what my emotions are telling me to do. Well, what about praying and asking the Holy Spirit to say, you know, here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to act and the decision I want you to make. Here's, here's what I'm laying out for you. Well, I hadn't done that either. I, you know, I'm not asking God. I just know what I feel. I just know what I want. I just know what I desire. And this is what I'm going to do. Period. Doesn't matter what the scripture says. Doesn't matter what the preaching and teaching says. Doesn't matter what praying says and the Holy Spirit says. I just know what I want. What about circumstances that are going on? Some things that are happening, you know, that this has happened and that's happened. And it's trying to show you and lead you and guide you into some areas you need to go and do. And I hadn't thought about that either. I just know 
I just know what I want. See, Joseph had all that to go on his mind too. I just know that the girl I love is pregnant. I'm not marrying the girl because <laughs> I don't believe the story. I think she's lying to me. I could have her committed by the judge for adultery and have her stoned to death. I'm not going to do it. I'll be nice. I'll be right. I'll do the right thing. I'll just let her go. Well, story's not over, is it? But after he considered this, after he considered his options, his feelings and emotions, bringing it all under this righteousness that he had within him to say, I'm just going to let her go. She can go her way. I'll go my way. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Don't be afraid. I know what you're thinking. What's your mom and daddy going to say? What is her mom and daddy going to say? What are your friends going to say? How are you going to be treated? You know, all these things are going through your mind right now, but don't be afraid. Take Mary home to be your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So scripture, if you will, prayer, if you will, Holy Spirit, if you will, was confirming her story to him. See how that works for us? We're trying to make a decision. Should I do this? Should I do that? I'm not sure. And then God begins to do work within us if we're listening and says, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I don't want you to do. Here's where I want you to go. Here's what. All those kind of things. If we're listening to him, being attentive to him, being obedient to him, we're going to hear his voice. And I was afraid to do this, but now I'm not because God's saying, here's what I want from you. And he confirms and he reassures and he lets us know that what's being said, what's being done is right. And it's the right thing to do. That's what God did with the Joseph, you see. Now he believes Mary was telling the truth because God's confirming it that Mary was telling the truth. And so we've got to always make sure when we're making decisions, we are listening to God, not listening to our heart, because our heart can mislead us. Our heart can be deceitful, and our heart can be filled with things that don't need to be there in the first place, and we're listening to our heart. Because so many times we hear people say, oh, just, just listen to your heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I've done it. Wrong thing every time. Because if I'm listening to my heart, I'm not listening to God. I'm just listening to something I wanted to do when I was 12 or something I wanted to do when I was 6. Or, You know, I've told you before in my testimony that at an early age, I wanted to be a race car driver. I'm not. That's what my heart was saying at that time. I was drawing cars when I was in class, you know, uh, in, in fifth grade, sixth grade. I'm drawing cars, should have been doing my lesson, and I'm drawing stuff on paper. And you know, That's my dream. That's my hope. That's my goal. But it wasn't God's. Well, I wanted to be a football player. Well, I want to, you know, all these things I begin to want to do. And God said, it's not there. And so if I followed my heart, I'd have been a race car driver part-time, football player the other part of the time, you know. But we can't follow our hearts. Our hearts mislead us. We have to follow God, the Holy Spirit living in us. What's the Holy Spirit telling us to do? Not what our heart's telling us to do. So he's listening to God. He's hearing from God that evening in a dream as God comes to him in the dream and says, don't be afraid to take Mary home and be his wife, your wife because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Don't listen to your heart, Joseph. His heart was saying, let me just divorce her. I love her. My heart says I love her. I don't want her to be committed to adultery and be stoned to death, but my heart's just saying, let her go. Let her have her way. You know, go th- through this thing that way. God says, no, don't. She will give birth to a son. You're giving him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. 
And so God is just confirming in him the story that Mary had given to him to start with. She is going to have a son. You'll give him the name Jesus. He'll save people from their sins. He's going to be the Redeemer, the Son of God, Emmanuel. Well, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. Prophet Isaiah, chapter 7. The virgin will be with child, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so he's just saying, Joseph, let me just confirm in you, confirm with you through the Holy Spirit speaking to you tonight in this dream that what Mary has told you is the truth. Listen to him, God, and listen to her. Take her home to be your wife. She's telling the truth. She will give birth to son Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. Now, they're still in that pledged period, that betrothed period. They haven't come to the end of the year to have their wedding date yet. And so much about this betrothed period, the pledged period, is, is a whole lot like Jesus talking about the second coming. Jesus is coming back for his bride, the church. We're the church. We're the bride. We're the bride of Jesus. And Jesus is the bridegroom, and he's coming back. And the thing about the year's time, they didn't know exactly when it would happen because they didn't, the general public didn't know when it started, but they did. And so, but here's the thing about the wedding day. On December 31st, when it would have been their wedding day, Mary would not have known at what time Joseph was coming to get her. He wouldn't have, she wouldn't have known if it was 7 a.m. or 3 p.m. Somewhere during that day, she just knew he was coming to get her to take her to have the wedding ceremony and the whole celebration of that uh, to close out this one-year time period. Jesus brought that out about the second coming. He said, I'm coming for my bride too. But he said, you don't know when I'm coming, do you? No. So what do we have to do not knowing when he's coming? Be ready, don't we? And so that whole day, Mary had to get up real early and get ready real early and then wait. What time is it, Daddy? What time is it, Daddy? <laughs> When's he coming? It's 8 o'clock. I've been up a whole hour and gotten ready. Not here yet. 9 o'clock now. Is he, is he really coming? Hey, it's 10 o'clock. Where's Joseph? <laughs> Ten second thoughts. He's backing up. It's 11 o'clock. Where's the guy? 12 noon. I don't know. I've been waiting. And then he comes, you see, at a certain time that he set up. So it is with Jesus coming back for us. We don't know when that's going to be, so we always have to be ready to keep from getting ready. Just like Mary. If, if Mary had waited on that day, say, oh, I bet he doesn't come till 3 o'clock. I'll start getting ready around noon, get the hair going, get the dress going, all this sort of thing, and he'll be here about 3. I'll be ready. And then Joseph shows up at 9 a.m. She ain't got started. See the how that works with the church? We have to be ready. We have to be prepared. We have to be dressed for that time when the bridegroom comes for us. It's like it would have been with Mary and Joseph and anybody else getting married in that day and time. And so when Joseph woke up, he did what God told him to do. So there's somewhere in this early time period of the betroth, pledge period, he goes home, he goes ahead and goes over to her house and said, Mr. and Mrs. Mary's parents, we got a story to tell you. And Mary's coming home with me today. Now can you imagine the parents' response? Hold on, Joseph. Wait, wait just a minute. That's not time until December 31st. What are you doing? Mm -mm, not going to happen, Joseph. What are you all talking about? Oh, she's pregnant. Yeah, right. Okay. Can you see the parents' reaction? 
but he did what God commanded him to do. See, sometimes God commands us to do illogical things, doesn't he? I mean, sometimes God says, or, or we say, God, what you're telling me to do is just not logical. It's not reasonable. It's not something I can figure out in my mind why it's going this way. I don't get why this is working out like this. You know, if I were to make the decision, God, I'd do it logically, reasonably, think it out in my mind, come up with a conclusion, got it, settled, it's all done. And God says, you know what? I don't work that way. He can do things that we seem to think that's unreasonable, that's illogical. I don't get it, God. You really want me to do that? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know how. I know. That's why I want you to do it. So you'll be totally dependent on me. That's what Joseph had to be, totally dependent on God. It's what Mary had to be, totally dependent on God. No matter what anybody else said, what anybody else did, what anything was going on around them didn't matter. What mattered only was what God was telling them to do. And he did what God told him to do, took Mary home to be his wife. Well, you know, there would be misunderstanding. It's going to be gossip. Y'all know what gossip is? Y'all ever heard that word? Do you, do you know what it means? Some of you do? Yeah, okay. okay, everybody talks to you, about you to everybody else. But you, right? Is that why it works? Yeah, we're going to... Okay, all right, yeah. Talking about, every, talking about this person to everybody else except to that person. And so that's what's going on with them. There's misunderstanding. We don't get this. We don't understand this. Why are you taking her home to be your wife now? It's not time. You know, what's wrong with you people? Uh, there's ridicule, you know, pointing fingers, putting down. There's bitterness. Uh, the parents, the friends, the, the relatives. It's all toward Joseph and Mary. But he also knew the true story of a pregnancy. And he simply had to come to that conclusion. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I don't care what the general public says. I don't care what the consensus of the world is. I don't care what they do, whoever they are. I just know what God's telling me to do, and we're going to do this, regardless of what happened and what was said. But here's the last of it. had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. They came together as husband and wife, legally speaking, but in a physical sense, an intimacy sense, it didn't happen until after the birth of Jesus. And so who was this Jesus anyway? See, the word Jesus is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Joshua. When you see the word, there's a book in the Bible named Joshua, you know. When you read the word Joshua in the Hebrew, that's the Hebrew name. The word Jesus is the Greek name. Same name, just one is Hebrew, one is Greek. It means God saves. It means God delivers. It means God's rescue, rescues. So why was Jesus born in the first place? Why go through all this story about Joseph and Mary and and Gabriel and all that happened here? Why go through that? Why was Jesus born to even start with? Because of me and you. We have to be saved. We have to be delivered. We have to be rescued. Well, from what? (laughs) Sin, the world, Satan. And so the only way that's going to happen is for Jesus to have come and be born in a manger a little baby, a little infant, born in a manger, son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, so that he could grow up, teach and preach and and restore and help people understand who he was and what he came to do and who God is and what he came, sent Jesus to do. 
and in the end to be crucified on the cross. To die for our sins because he became the Lamb of God. Yes, Emmanuel, God with us, but Lamb of God because, see, we're sinners. We're born sinners. We come here as sinners. And as a result of that, the Bible says that sinners deserve death and hell. Sinners cannot get into heaven. And so the only way our sins are going to be forgiven is to allow Jesus on the cross to shed his blood for us, take our sins on him, and take the place of our sins and be able to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us and wash us of our sins, and to make us holy and righteous with God through what he did. And so why was Jesus born? So he could deliver us, so he could rescue us, so he could set us free from sin and set us free to serve. The lady in the video this morning heard her story. You know, she's out as a little girl, 11-year-old girl, seemed like, out on the streets of Ecuador selling things so they could make money for the home. And then one day her daddy comes to get all her money. Why? Because he, she said he was an alcoholic. And he took all her money, went and spent it on whatever he spent it on. And uh, there they were just without stuff, without things, having to work the streets. Here she's 11 years old. And she asked God to be her father. She said, God, I need a father, <laughs> a real father, a father that loves me and cares for me. And God, you're it. You're the one who does that. And only God can rescue us from our sins. Only God can set us free from our sins and set us free to serve just like he did her. She now serves God by saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to go to India? Oh, okay, I'll go to India. Oh, you want me to go back to Ecuador? I'll go back to Ecuador. You, you want me, you know, and all her life is just God this, God that, what, what, what's next? And so that's the way it is with you and I, isn't it? Aren't we like that? Haven't we we've been rescued today? Haven't we been saved today? Haven't we been delivered from sin today? Haven't we been set free from sin and set free to serve? And now we're serving, aren't we? How are you serving God? What, what are you doing for Him every day? As you go out into the world in which you go out into, what are you doing for Him? How do you serve Him? Can you, could you make a list? Could you say things? Well, I do this and I do that and, and all these kinds. This is how I serve God. What are you doing for Him? Why was Jesus born? So we could be set free from sin and set free to serve Him, showing Him that we love Him, care for Him, thanking Him for saving us and giving us eternal life through His blood on the cross. Where are we this morning?